John, when you do your Christmas shopping, I wear a size seven day Caribbean cruise, okay? Thank you. Same, in the front row, okay? We need two. So Christmas is coming. How are we feeling about that? Woo! Well, I'm excited. I'm very excited about Christmas. And I know not everyone feels that way. Uh, but for many, Christmas comes with this sense of magical wonder. And there's a lot of things that actually happen that play into the magic of Christmas. For example, it can be filled with the anticipation of spending time with loved ones. So for me, as a kid growing up, my family, my extended family got together every single uh, Christmas time to celebrate Christmas together. And so before that event happened, my brothers and I would build this giant gingerbread house and we would smother it in frosting and we'd cover it in candy, tons of different candy, licorice, Skittles, you name it, it was on there. And then we would put it on the hutch in the kitchen for weeks. And so every so often we'd sneak over and we'd like break a piece off and you'd like break your tooth as you tried to eat this gummy walking away before my mom would yell at us because we shouldn't be touching it. And then when the event came for my, my cousins to come over, we'd gather all the kids around the table and we'd pass around a hammer and we'd take turns smashing this gingerbread house, each trying to take away the best piece we could possibly get our hands on before dinner started. Now that we were adults, after we became adults, we would gather in my parents' uh, kitchen in the dining room and we would play bingo. And now bingo, if you won, you were able to choose from an array of mystery boxes and you could win anything from lottery tickets and cash to chewed up gum and rocks. It was always such a fun time. And this time together, it brought this sense of continuity and shared joy as we reflected on old memories and made new ones and we laughed together. And maybe for you, it's not time with your extended family, but it's time with people who feel like family, friends that feel like family, or it's traveling to see someone that you don't get to spend enough time with. And the magic of Christmas can also be found in the smell of fresh-cut pine trees or the, the lights that are strung up on people's houses. So growing up, my parents and I and my brothers, we would go out and we would buy two Christmas trees. One was for the upstairs and one was for the downstairs. The one upstairs was like the beautiful one and the one downstairs was for all of our kids' Christmas ornaments, you know, popsicle sticks and glitter. And so over the years, I, I really don't even know how this started, but over the years, my brothers and I, when we'd pick out the kids' tree for the basement, we wanted to pick the ugliest tree we could possibly find. So we wanted to find a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, and it had to be worse than the year previous. So one year we got a Christmas tree that split into two at the top, and it was two puffs of pine needles on each side, and we could barely hang ornaments on it. So what would happen is when people would come over to our house in December, they would be so excited, they would ask, did you guys get your trees yet? And they would run downstairs because they wanted to see what our tree looked like that year. The magic of Christmas is creating a sense of wonder and delight as people decorate their homes, 
not just for their own pleasure, but for the enjoyment of other people to experience as well. For us in Duluth, that's Bentleyville. That's getting to walk through an incredible display of Christmas lights put on by volunteers and then having hot chocolate and cookies for dinner. I'm not the only parent that does that, right? And then the magic of Christmas also comes with a sense of selflessness through giving to others and volunteering our time. So my parents, they're gift givers. They love the thoughtfulness that goes into giving a really good gift. And they experience enjoyment in watching someone receive something that they have put so much time into thinking about. And in fact, it's actually become kind of the culture of gift giving within my family. And so during Christmas, instead of taking 30 seconds to tear through a bunch of gifts, my family and I, we all take turns one at a time and we open a gift and then part of the gift is hearing the why for why it was chosen. And it's this wonderful experience that we get to have together. Christmas is a time of kindness and compassion towards others, even strangers, where the act of giving and receiving is an extension of warmth and connection. And you don't even have to like Christmas to see the magic of Christmas. It's baking cookies for your neighbor. It's the ringing of a Salvation Army bell at the store when you're walking in, or being the recipient of someone else's generosity. And what we're seeing in the magic of Christmas is simply a posture of hospitality for 25 days. For 25 days of the year, it's a posture of hospitality. But let me ask you, what would the world look like? What would your life look like if this model of hospitality was practiced 365 days a year? where instead of it being something we try to just lean into for the month of December, we develop a lifestyle of Christian hospitality centered on love, kindness, and contentment. This hospitality not only ushers in the transformative power of Christ in our own lives, but welcomes others into the presence of Jesus, welcomes people home. This kind of living can be seen all throughout the Bible, and it's even a calling in the way Christians should live their lives following Jesus, the one who perfectly modeled this life for us. So before we continue, let me pray for us. Yes, Jesus, as we reflect on Christmas this morning, I just ask, Lord, that you would help us examine our own hearts and our own lives. That we would be able to see the things, the blessings that we have in our life, see them as a gift from you, and in, to, in turn be able to give it away to the world. That we could be people that are an extension of your love for the world. That it wouldn't be something that just happens during a holiday season, but it would be a mark of who we are as followers of you. Be with us this morning, Jesus. Amen. 
So this morning, we're going to continue our Advent series by opening our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. So if you'd like to follow along, there's a Bible on the seat in front of you. And we're going to be in Hebrews 13, 1 through 6. And then here's what we read. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. If we want our lives to reflect the virtue of Christian hospitality, the kind that the magic of Christmas only scratches the surface of, we must first start with love. Hospitality begins with love. And now if you don't already know this, the entire story of the Bible is a story of love. It's a story that begins with us being home where we're perfectly loved. That's the Garden of Eden. But humanity messed things up with sin, and that's where the rest of the Bible is telling the story of God's unstoppable love for us. It's his rescue plan to bring us home to be with him again. And that rescue plan was Jesus. And scripture says, for God so loved the world, the world is us, you and me. He gave his only son, Jesus. And baby Jesus being the very thing that we're celebrating at Christmas. And this kind of love, it changes us. The love that God has for us is called a hesed love. It's a loyal love, an enduring love, a love that never gives up. Hesed love is a promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. And Jesus, being God in the flesh, on the ground with us, modeled a life of deep love for people. And maybe you've heard it said before, but there is a Jesus-looking God. The extension of love that we see lived out in the life of Jesus is the same love that God the Father has for us. And like I said, this kind of love, it changes us. It's a comfort in hard times. It's a hope for a bright future. It's a confidence that allows us to face the world with an extension of love because we're so deeply loved. And I think that it's worth pausing right there. Because some of us don't know this kind of love. Maybe it's because you've experienced something very opposite in your life from people who were supposed to love you well. Or you've been on a search for love and it's only left you feeling more and more unlovable. And the holiday season can actually bring us face to face with the reality that we don't feel loved or we don't feel worthy of love. And so if that is you this morning, if you hear me say nothing else today, I want you to know that you are seen and you are loved more than you'll ever know by your heavenly Father, and there is nothing that you can do to change that. 
And so once we've accepted that love into our lives, it reshapes how we view others in the world and how we're able to offer hospitality. Once we've accepted Jesus into our lives, we become a part of God's family and we're to view others and treat others as brothers and sisters. Hebrews 13.1 says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And here's the thing about siblings. So siblings that are in a healthy relationship have a mutual love and respect for one another. So I mentioned earlier, I have two brothers. And we would go to bat for each other. If one of us needed something, the other one would be there, no questions asked. Not only because we love each other, but because that's what family does. We help each other out, we carry each other's loads, we work together to make the work easier. But now my brothers and I, we don't always get along, realistically, right? Especially when it comes to Monopoly, that one we have had to set aside. But we don't agree on everything. There's a lot of things in life that we don't see eye to eye on. And it's made for some really heated discussions. But it never changes the fact that at the end of the day, we can sit down around a table and share a meal together. That's brotherly and sisterly love. It's a hospitable love that values others as members of the same family. And this is the kind of love that we should see within the church. We might not agree on everything about life, but if we agree that Jesus is king, we can stand together in worship. We can help and support each other and show mutual respect, even with differing opinions. But it's not just restrained within these walls. Anyone you come across in your day-to-day -day may also be a part of our family, a part of God's family. And so when the line at the store is insanely long, it's letting someone else go in front of you because they're also in a hurry. And then it's treating the cashier with grace and patience. Maybe, maybe it's even buying them something, you know, like the outrageously priced snacks that are, you just stare at. Maybe you buy them one of those things and then hand it to them before you leave saying thank you. It's offering to shovel your neighbor's driveway or sidewalk, you know, the one that complains about your yard being mowed the wrong way and your kids playing too loud outside. And why do we live this way? Because if we don't have love, we have nothing, the Bible says. If I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. We have to know that God's love brings us into his family, making us brothers and sisters in Christ, which allows us to foster a value of Christian hospitality, a hospitality that welcomes others into experiencing the presence of God in their lives through us. And we see that in the Christmas story. 
We see that God's love for us moves him to send Jesus so that all may know him. God is binding himself to humanity through the conception and the birth of Jesus. And in Luke 2, we're told that the only place where Mary and Joseph could find to stay was in a barn where the animals slept. And this is a picture of God's hospitable nature, laying down his supreme power so that we can sit at the table with him. That he would send his son into the world, into the lowest place, revealing his kingdom among the poor, so that everyone could be a part of his family, welcomed home. And something that I recently heard about the Christmas story that has really struck me was that maybe the only reason God allowed there to be no room in the inn was just so that the shepherds could feel right at home visiting a king. It's an unexpected picture of hospitality grounded in love. And if we want to offer that kind of hospitality to others, we must first begin with knowing God's love in our own lives. And the next, Christian hospitality, is also an extension of kindness. Hebrews says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So to sum it up, Treat others the way you want to be treated. Every person that you ever meet probably feels like at the very least they should be treated with kindness. And kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's evidence that God is at work in your life. It's a quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate of someone else. So let's start with the stranger. If we're living a lifestyle of Christian hospitality, showing kindness to a stranger can be as simple as holding open a door. Taking out someone's trash if you live in an apartment or a dorm. Maybe it's cleaning up someone's trash that's been knocked over by raccoons and is clearly not gonna be covered by snow yet. Maybe it's just buying a drink for someone that's waiting in line behind you. Kindness to a stranger is letting a woman about to have a baby stay in your barn because your inn is full. And in doing so, we may be hosting angels without even knowing it. That's the very thing that took place the night of Jesus' birth. The innkeeper gave what he had as an act of kindness and not only hosted angels, but made room for God himself to make his grand entrance into the world. And there are other stories like this in the Bible. Abraham from the Old Testament, he offered hospitality to three men who showed up to his camp, turned out to be Yahweh. And then on the road to Damascus, two men were walking and they were walking with a stranger and they filled this stranger in about the horrible news of Jesus' death. And they welcomed the stranger to come stay with them. And it turned out to be the risen Jesus. 
Kindness to a stranger makes room for the Holy Spirit to work not only in the lives of others, but also in our own lives. But what about the prisoners and those that are mistreated? It says that we're to respond to them as if we were in prison ourselves or we were suffering. And this might actually be a little bit harder than showing kindness to a stranger, a prisoner, someone who has been convicted of a crime. So back in the time of the Bible, if somebody was in prison, their only hope for surviving their time in prison was if someone showed up and brought them food. There was nothing provided for prisoners, and so they were relying on other people to show up and bring them something to survive their time in jail, or they didn't stand a chance. And so if we were to translate that to today, the kind of hospitality that we would show to a prisoner maybe looks like visiting someone that's in prison, feeling very lonely. Or it's supporting a kid who has parents that are incarcerated. Or it could be joining our prison ministry and sending our sermons to people that are in jail. And it's also standing up for those who are mistreated, the marginalized. Maybe it's visiting the elderly or making friends with the kid at school that no one seems to like. And this kind of hospitality, it will cost you more. It will cost you more time. It might cost you your popularity. It will mean getting out of your comfort zone. But this is the type of kindness that we saw Jesus offer over and over and over again in his own life, caring for those whose society has thrown aside. And then lastly, we have kindness in our own marriages. Some of these, no, don't do that. Except this is not just talking about people who are married, it's also talking about singleness. No individual is exempt here. So if you are married, you are to be honoring your marriage, your marital relationship, showing kindness to your significant other. And I'm not just talking about taking a turn to do the dishes, okay? That can be kind, but we're not going to count that one today. I'm talking about a thoughtful intentionality that communicates, you matter in my life. It's bringing home a surprise gift, planning a date, asking deep questions with active listening. And if you're single, you are also to be honoring people's marriages. That means that you're showing kindness by not trying to pursue someone who's already in a marriage. It also means that you're showing kindness to yourself in your singleness and in your dating relationships if you're dating. For example, when you honor your body by not sleeping around, you are also honoring someone else's. That's a true act of kindness. And in doing so, what you'll find is that showing this type of kindness to yourself will actually build up your self-worth and improve your life overall. And here's why our extension of kindness in hospitality is better than the magic of Christmas. 
Because for Christians, the expectation is that God will play a significant role in the ordinary exchange between guests and hosts. When we take the ordinary, a simple act of kindness, and we dedicate it to God, common things become a vehicle for his power and his grace to impact our lives and the lives of others. We see this happen in the sacraments of communion and baptism, where we take water, just water, and we bless it. And it gets power to give new life through Christ. It's just water, but in baptism it becomes something so much more. Or communion, crackers and juice. We just talked about this earlier, if you were in here. We bless it. And it becomes a moment where we're taking in the suffering of our Lord as we celebrate his victory over sin. Any act of hospitality through kindness can become a moment where God's power can meet the ordinary in our lives, impacting us and others. So there was a season in my life where I felt incredibly lost. I had just moved to a new city or a new town, and I felt like, this maybe sounds dramatic, but I felt like no one knew I existed, and where I left, I felt like the people forgot that I existed. And I felt incredibly alone in a really dark season. And I'll never forget one day, I went out and I got the mail, and I opened up the, as I opened up the mail, I found a Christmas card from a family from the city that I had moved away from. And I remember thinking, they thought of me? And I'm just talking about like the Christmas cards that people have the same, you know, the list that they send hundreds out. And I just remember thinking, they thought of me. And in my dark season, it was a spark of light, a spark of hope, and reminded me that God saw me. It's a simple gesture of hospitable kindness that God can turn into something incredible. And then lastly, the virtue of Christian hospitality is engaged in contentment through God's provision. So contentment is a posture of humility that says what I have is enough. So Mary and Joseph demonstrated this when they decided that having their baby in a barn, it was gonna work. It was enough. They could have kept looking. They could have tried to outbuy someone's room. Mary could have had her baby on the street. That could be the Christmas story. But instead, because of contentment, through humility, they were able to host the King of Kings, Jesus, safely in a space with what they had. That's because contentment allows us to see past ourselves and into the lives of others so we can offer hospitality. They decided that the little that they had was enough and chose to see it as God's provision instead of being angry and dissatisfied, taking away from their first child being born. If we want to have the virtue of Christian hospitality, we have to see that with God we have enough. 
And so how do we begin to develop contentment in our lives? Because let's be honest, nothing stirs up discontentment quite like Christmas, right? Hey, can I get a Christmas list from you? Yeah, let me write down everything I wish I had but don't so that you can maybe pick one thing off the list. That's discontentment. That is hard. So how do we begin to develop contentment in our lives? First, we need to notice when we're feeling unhappy about something. So this allows us to become aware of what we may or may not be longing for in life. And it gives us something to pray about. Trusting that God has good plans for us and that he will meet our needs in every way we, we need. And then second, we need to stop buying things that we don't need, okay? Shopping really can be an addiction and it only leaves us feeling better for a little bit of time. We need to scale back on our purchasing because more is not always more. And then third, we can begin to appreciate people that are in our lives. Offer words of encouragement or give a simple gift to someone who really means something to you. And that gift could even be your undivided attention. It doesn't have to be bought. This not only blesses them, but it helps you reflect on the good things that you have in your own life. Fourth, we can practice gratitude. Daily notice the things in your life that you're grateful for. Gratitude changes our outlook on life and our mindset. And then fifth, we need to, en we need to learn to enjoy the simple things in life living in the moment meaningful conversations, walking in nature, focus on the small pleasures of life and let them bring us joy. And then as we develop contentment, it keeps us on mission with the things that God is doing in and through our lives. So there's a man in the Bible who found contentment in his life to be of incredible value. And here is what he said in Philippians 4. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What Paul was able to do was live his life from God's point of view. He was focused on what he was supposed to do, not what he felt like he should have. He was a man on a mission and he detached himself from the non-essentials so that he could concentrate on the things eternal. And through his contentment, he was able to live out his mission, sharing the good news about Jesus no matter the condition of his life. He saw God's love expressed in the things that he had, and he remembered that money and possessions will all pass away. See, if you have this absolute certainty of God's love, the absolute certainty that God is never abandoning you, it frees you to be hospitable. And that's what we're reading at the end of the Hebrews passage. It says, keep your lives free from money and be content with what you have. 
Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. When we deeply believe that God is never leaving us, that God has everything we would ever need, we have enough. We can live our lives with contentment. We become satisfied when we realize God is sufficient for all of our needs and it frees us to be hospitable with whatever we have. So I have a friend and she is the most hospitable person I have ever known. It's definitely like a gifting that she has, but watching her host has made me look into my own life and want to create moments and experiences like she does for other people. She has an amazing ability to make anything beautiful. I mean, decorations, food, table arrangements, ambiance. But that's actually not what makes her a great host. She has an incredible ability when it comes to hosting because everything she has in her life, she sees as God's and she can give it away. Her hospitality comes with a freedom in her life to offer love and warmth because she knows she has enough. She's able to welcome people into her home, whether it is clean or dirty, with a warm cup of coffee and a genuine desire to hear about your life. And if you need anything, and she owns it, or has it available, or if she knows a person that knows a person that knows a person, she's gonna help you get what you need. You're welcome to it. That is hospitality, engaged in contentment through God's provision. And so as we continue to move through this Advent season and experience more of the magic that comes with Christmas, I want to encourage you to take some time to reflect on the hospitality in your own life. Where would you like to grow in this? What people are most difficult for you to show hospitality to? Where might God be calling you to take some next steps in your faith journey as you let him, his transformative power change you and use you to welcome others home into his presence? We're going to transition into ministry time now. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And what ministry time is, is just a moment where we engage with God as he's maybe brought some things up in our hearts, in our minds, as we've been listening. And so we're just going to take a moment and we're going to pray and we're going to welcome his presence to meet us. And so if you um, like to, you can hold your hands open as a posture of receiving. If you're comfortable with that, you can close your eyes, you can keep them open. Whatever helps you best engage as we pray. And so Holy Spirit, would you come? And Jesus, I think that for a lot of us, 
Christmas brings us face to face with what we feel like we don't have. Sometimes we feel like we don't have enough resources. Sometimes we feel like we don't have enough friends. Sometimes we feel like we don't have enough patience to be with our family. Sometimes we feel like we don't have enough time and wish we could do more. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to show each of us feeling that restraint where you would meet us and show us what we have to give. And so in an act of an offering to you, we give you the little we have and we ask that you would bless it and make it something extraordinary. Would you show us, Jesus, what those things are? what changes we can make, how we can show up. And then for others of us this morning, I think we need more kindness for ourselves or more kindness in our marriages. And I think for some of us this morning, especially in a marriage, where I don't, I, you, you feel like you don't know how to show up with kindness. Maybe your act of kindness is shot down. Or maybe you just feel like you've tried everything and nothing is enough. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would meet that sense of hopelessness. That you would continue to give encouragement in a marriage like that. And if that is you this morning, I would encourage you, if you are here with your significant other, I I would invite you to come and get prayer together over your marriage. And then lastly, as we continue to engage with prayer and worship, if there is something else on your heart this morning, maybe you want prayer for your finals, maybe you have something in your physical body that is bothering you and you'd like prayer for healing, we would love to pray for those things as well. So I'm going to invite our ministry team to come forward. And Jesus, as we continue to walk through this Advent season, I just ask that we would feel welcomed home into your presence, that you would show us how we can come alongside you in a hospitable nature that that welcomes other people into your presence as well, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to continue to worship, and then I'd love to welcome you to come up and get prayer anytime that feels right for you.